hello to someone and be seated. There are so many things we could say. I don't have a lot of voice. Um, I do want to remind you of our Beast Feast. I made about 400 text messages today. That's just the beginning. We want to have a great, great influx of people on March the 5th. So if you are a man, boy, um, either <clears throat> we want you to come and be with us on Saturday, March the 5th for our annual wild game dinner known as Beast Feast. In the book of Acts, we have so many places where God works out his plan through people. And that's it. God could have bypassed all human agency in order to accomplish his great plan, which is redemption of mankind. He could have commissioned the angels, the heavenly host, to be the messengers of the gospel. But because they've never been saved, uh, they're confirmed as righteous beings. Uh, they, they don't understand what it's like to be lost and then to be saved. But I'll tell you what, I do. How about Amen. you? Amen. In the 13th chapter of Acts, we read about those teachers and workers in the church at Antioch. Chapter 13, they are commissioned and sent out, the apostle Paul and Barnabas. They come back in chapter 14 and give a report. <coughs> Excuse me. So tonight, I want to say that Brother Gabe Rivera is a blessing. Many people are blessings, but he's a double blessing tonight because he's going to share with us his heart and the heart of God and the heart of this church for missions. And he's going to give my voice a reprieve. And so we thank God for Brother Gabe. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. I, I, he was so kind. I was expecting him to say he's a double blessing because he's so big and he would have been correct. On, on that note as well, and we see now, now you're laughing. Now you're comfortable. You can sit back and relax. Well, I am thankful to be able to be a help uh, to our pastor. As we can tell, he is still he, he's better than he was on Sunday night, but not yet what he needs to be. And we have three services coming on Sunday, and we want him to be ready and firing away from the Word of God. And so I'm, I'm thankful he called on me tonight. It, it's been my privilege to serve the Lord. In, in various capacities over the years, as a pastor, a youth pastor, a Christian educator, a missionary, uh, helping to train church planters, uh, and as you well know, was one of my former supporting churches in the country of Romania. And uh, tonight, I don't want to try to shock and awe you uh, with anything about me or experiences that I have had over the last uh, 22 years uh, traveling behind the Iron Curtain, serving uh, predominantly in Romania. But I do want to try to share with you some life's lessons that are learned. And I have to say right at the beginning that the, the title of this message is uh, somewhat misleading because I haven't finished learning anything yet. <laughs> the school is still in session. And that's true for all of us. We learn things along the way, and hopefully that helps us 
as we grow not to make similar mistakes and to be a blessing to other people, but as long as our feet are on planet Earth, God is not finished with us. God is not finished with you. And like the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.6, being confident, not in himself, but being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's work. He wants to work through us. So we're going to use as a springboard text tonight, that means we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read it, we're going to make one or two comments, and then we're going to go on into the lessons that I'd like to share with you tonight. So in Matthew chapter 28, uh, we know it as the Great Commission. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the King, and he has called his disciples together, and he is giving them the orders, the plan, and it's up to them to perform the orders as he has given it to them. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd open our minds and hearts of understanding tonight that we might hear what the Spirit of God has to say to us through your word and through these lessons of life. We want, Father, to be used by you. We want to obey the order. We want to perform the order that it might bring glory and honor to you. And we understand we're not doing this in our power. You've made it very clear in this passage. You give us the authority. You give us the power. So, Father, remind us, each one, we are nothing, but you are everything, and you want to use us for your glory, for your honor, to be a blessing to your church, to your people. And if there's some who do not know Christ as their personal Savior and Lord tonight, draw them to yourself. Help them to see the love that Christ has for them and the world as he gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins on the hill of Calvary. And we're thankful tonight that he's alive, he is well, and one day soon he's coming again. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. No, missionary life turns a great many things into fun. That was always the way I tried to approach things. Yes, the ministry is work. And the ministry is challenging. And leaving your culture, leaving those things that are your comfort zone, is not always easy. And I'll say more about that in a little while. But I always tried to view the opportunity as it was, a gift from God. The opportunity to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, be it across the ocean, 
or across the street is a gift from God. He's chosen you. He's put someone in your path that you might share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's fun. That's exciting. That is not laborious. Except we can make it all those things. If we forget about Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go. The understanding is that we're going. We're going. All power. In verse 18, Christ makes it very clear. I am the king, he says of himself, as it were. All power is given unto me. All authority. He, as the Son of God, alone can give us this charge, this commandment. Do you think he doesn't know what he's doing? Do we think eh, maybe there's a better plan? No. He's all-knowing. He's the God-man. He understood from eternity past he was going to go to Calvary he was going to suffer for your sins and my sins and he was going to put into our hands the responsibility of evangelizing the world he didn't make any mistake go therefore why because I've just given you the power to do so and that power is given to me. And I have that power in heaven, and I have it in earth, and now I'm sending you. And you are to teach. Teach. Years ago, about 36 years ago, I was speaking at a camp in the beautiful Pocono Mountains in northeast Pennsylvania. I was on the side of the lake that was the best side. That's where all the teenagers were. And I had the privilege of two, three hundred teenagers uh, sitting on the edge of their seat and, and listening as I'm sharing with them the word of God. On the other side of the lake was an acquaintance of mine who would become over the years a very good friend. He was a missionary behind the Iron Curtain. And we had great fellowship that week. We'd share our meals together and, and, and talk when we didn't have other responsibilities. And towards the end of the week, he asked me this. Would you be willing to take my place and go to Romania? He explained he was persona non grata in both Russia and Romania. That meant that he was no longer welcome in those countries. He couldn't get a visa. He couldn't travel any longer there. And so I said, well, let me pray about it. Let me go back to my church and talk to my deacons. And as I've told you before, I think to this day, my deacons had a hidden agenda because they voted unanimously to send their pastor to Romania. Now, I thought, this is going to be fun. This is going to be exhilarating. Missionary life turns a great many things into fun. 
But along, not always, but often, come harsh lessons. There are times that I feel quite bruised, maybe even raw from the learning of those deep soul digging lessons. But Jesus said, go. I was pastoring a fine church. We had just started a Christian school. My family was very young. I had every reason to be just in a state of contentment and say, well, no, brother, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'll pray that God sends someone else in your place. That's it. nothing wrong with that if you didn't feel it was God's will. But if you honestly, if you're honestly honest with yourself, a lot of times we pray about things. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say next. It's not heretical. It just sounds heretical. A lot of times there are many things that we say, I'll pray about that, that we really don't have to pray about. We're already under command. We're already told to go. Just serve. So I took the advice of my deacons. I thought that made me a very good American pastor, listening to my board of deacons. And we went. The first lesson may surprise you, but lesson one is this. Walking by faith is hard. Walking by faith is hard. I don't like to admit it, but I have rarely actually felt the need to walk by faith. What do I mean? And that doesn't mean I don't have the need. I have the need to walk by faith, and it's enormous. But sometimes we get so cozy in our comfort zone we just put one foot in front of the other, and we're experiencing life, and we're doing life, and we think we're walking by faith. When, no, we're walking by experience. We're walking by sight, because we're not challenged in any way. I have never felt so far outside of my own comfort zone than waiting outside of Vienna in the long line of vehicles waiting to enter Hungary, communist Hungary. I looked around, I saw the towers, and I saw the machine guns, and it was nighttime with the bright lights, spotlights, flashing over the area. I felt desperate, but not nearly as desperate as I was going to feel when we got to the Romanian border and we were detained for five hours 
and everything but strip searched. Everything taken out of the vehicle, everything handled, our suitcases opened, our clothing handled, left in a heap, and we had to put it all back in, put it back in. Four times that happened. Four times. In most ministry contexts, I have, I don't know about you, uh, this is my life's lessons, I have relied too heavily on my abilities, on my strengths. When you move or travel in another country, it feels like your strengths and your abilities are neutralized. And suddenly I felt an enormous pressure to trust that God would use my stumbling efforts. I could not even communicate. We'd been through Belgium. We'd been through Germany. We, we went through Austria. We went through Hungary. Different languages. Different currencies in those days at every country where you had to exchange. I recognized later that was a pressure that I should have felt a long time ago. My talents or abilities, apart from the grace of God, produce nothing for eternity. Not a thing. When I previously would rely on talents or abilities, it was mostly to give myself a sense of satisfaction or accomplishment. We've all been there. I felt like I had plans, or I had stability, or I had a vision. I had to wake up every morning and must trust that God has the ideas for my day already planned out. Walking by faith is painful, but it is a good plan. It's the only plan, and I think that's a good lesson. The second lesson would be Choose contentment. Choose contentment. You know, I often tell young people especially, you know, God doesn't expect you to be hilariously happy every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year. Happiness is okay. But eh, it's overrated. Happiness will come and go. And when it goes, how does it affect you? Are you on the proverbial roller coaster? Letting situations or people dictate what you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you're responding? Contentment. This is learned I believe, 
in letting go of comforts. Getting out of your comfort zone. I remember very clearly having the 20-foot trailer brought to our home in Fredericksburg and the days it took to fill it with our, all of our earthly goods, sealing it, getting it ready for the truck to pick it up the next day. That was the first week of July. We didn't see it again until November. We arrived in Romania in October, September, October. We're living in another man's house with only the suitcases that we were allowed to take on the plane, wondering, where's our container? <laughs> did, they, did they get the correct address? It was supposed to be waiting for us when we arrived. That was my planning, but God had another idea. He was going to teach us patience. You know, when, and, and this wasn't totally true for us. Uh, I made provision that we could take things made here, wired for Europe, like a washer, a dryer, even a dishwasher. I, I was the dishwasher. <laughs> no air conditioning, no garbage disposal. No ice maker. Back in those days, you couldn't get ice in a restaurant in Western Europe unless you asked for it. That's just their lifestyle. They don't like cold. They think cold might give you a sore throat. Anyway. Not being able to communicate. <laughs> I put here not being able to communicate well. I should have put not being able to communicate at all. <laughs> just forget it. Selling nearly everything, flying away to a new place with just a few things, landing in a new country, and wondering, can I be content? You have that feeling of never being settled. Now, in my situation, I'd been going in and out of Eastern Europe for four or five years. And so I knew who I was going to be working with, and that helped tremendously. But imagine there's no one that you have that companionship with, that relationship with and never feeling settled. Contentment is a choice. The last ten and a half years, I'd get our pastor alone, and he'd say, oh no, what does Gabe need now? And I'd say, not a lot, but occasionally I'd say, pray for me, pastor. I'm starting to lose my contentment. I know that it's a choice. You choose to lose your contentment. 
choose to be content. That's what Paul said. I have found that whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Lesson three, deep dependence. You know, when Christ brought his leaders, his disciples to him, and there were more than just them there, I'm sure, but he was directing them, encouraging them, telling them, you can do this! And he promised. He promised. And God has never broken one solitary promise. I have commanded you. That ought to be enough. But he built on top of it. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. The first time I went behind the Iron Curtain, I'd come back and people were, oh, 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 question, question, question. And I, I would joke with them and say, I can tell you where the end of the world is. I've been there. And one night I was saying that, and it hit me. Wow. I really haven't been to the end of the world. But if I had been, Jesus was right there with me. Amen. Right there. So whether you're going across the ocean, across the country, across the street, you are never alone. And you're not relying on your abilities or your talents. You're relying on the power of the resurrected Christ who dwells within you by virtue of the indwelling person and power of the Holy Spirit. Lesson three is deep dependence. Deep dependence. The entire process of missions forces you into a new, deeper, beautiful dependence on God. You can't pick up the phone and talk to your pastor. You are now the spiritual leader. You are the church planter. You are the Christian educator. Oh, I'm going to listen to BBN and see what they have on today. Bible Broadcasting Network. No. Not in those days. Now you can stream it and get it online and so forth. But you had to pay per minute to have internet in your home. We couldn't afford that. And even if we could, it wasn't reliable. So why waste the Lord's money? A deep dependence, learning to depend on Christ for every single minute of the day, every provision, every relationship, every trial, every hour of sleep, and a million other things. You couldn't go for a walk at night, at least where I was, because the dogs ran in packs. And they weren't lassie. They weren't rin-tin-tin. They weren't the funny kind, the lovable kind. For all those dog lovers, I'm not being anti-dog. I'm just telling you like it was. I know. I tried walking one night, and I, I lost a very good pair of pants. They just chew, chewed the leg of my pants right off me. 
Thankfully, it was just the pants and not my leg. But I knew after dark, you don't go for a while. I don't care if it's summertime or not. You depend on him for everything and things that you never noticed before. Your way of independence is no longer viable. And isn't that, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Right. Yes, we have autonomy. But aren't we supposed to be interdependent, solely dependent upon Christ? His way, his plan, his purpose. That's how your heart will survive. Dependence, even when you wonder how and why you got on this life path and how God plans to work everything out for good, Romans 8, 28. Every promise. He's never broken one. He's never lied to us. So let's quit the doubting. Wherever you are, we can trust him. Lesson number four. Now, I don't want to offend anybody. I really don't. But it may sound like I'm going to offend you. So just remember, get the precursor. I'm not offending you. Lesson four, always be willing to learn. Do what? Always be willing to learn. In every vocation, including the mission field, the ministry, you have run into one or more persons in your lifetime that knows everything. Just ask them. Amen? Yeah. You were never like that. I was never like that. But anyway, I digress. Sometimes because we want to be so helpful, we're zealous. We want to bring people to Christ. We want to get a church planted. We want to do the work of Christian education, which was my case, going there to have a Bible institute, to train the nationals to do the work of the ministry, equip them, that they would be the church planners. They would run the camps. They would eventually take over the Bible institute, the Bible college. Always be willing to learn. Every single day, you must learn something new. You must learn new skills. <laughs> For me, I had to learn to chop wood. Now, I'm not a country boy. I'm from Iowa, but I didn't live on the farm. And I didn't know anything about wielding an axe and, 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 and making the wood. But if, if we were going to stay warm... It was incumbent upon me to feed the fire. There was no electric heat. There was no natural gas heat. There were some buildings at that time that had diesel fuel using to heat, but very extravagant. And we had what they called the Russian stoves, ceramic 
tile stoves with the firebox and you'd get maybe 12 inch logs and you'd have to feed those every three hours. <laughs> Sleep? What's that? That was our first year. And then God miraculously provided $5,000 for us to install a hot water heating system. And instead of that little box, oh, by the way, you had one in every room, not just one, <laughs> because they'd only heat one room. That's, that's the way it was. But when we got that great gift, we got a stove from this speaker to this speaker, and this depth to, to the floor. And you could put logs in that one. And you could heat it up for eight, nine hours at a time. First year in Romania, it set record lows in temperature that winter. You have to be willing to learn. I couldn't expect the Romanian brother to take care of my house. That's my job. Like it or not. New languages. New processes. New way of doing things. Even new ways to learn those new things. Life is one big lesson in learning. And it requires humbling yourself. God began really teaching me humility at that time. And he continues to teach me humility, but it wasn't until ten and a half years ago where he really broke me. He wanted me to be willing to learn new things. Learn to laugh at yourself. Choose joy when everyone already knows it or has already learned it. Believe you can keep learning even when it's terribly hard and frustrating. We cannot walk this journey and not have an attitude of learning. I I've met too many we had the opportunity eventually to be on the field of Romania for six years, six of our 21 years of ministering to the Romanian people. And I met too many in missionaries in transit. And it's their business, it's between them and the Lord. But you couldn't tell them anything. The fifth lesson Sacrifice, even for the cause of Christ, is difficult. Oh, I know, that really sounds like a heresy. Lesson five. Sacrifice, even for the cause of Christ, is difficult. I didn't see what I was planning to do as much of a sacrifice. I, I really didn't. I was excited. 
And there are many others from my studies and from my personal experiences who have sacrificed much, much more. But sometimes we seem to think that if you're working for a good cause, even the greatest cause, God's glory among the nations, that it wouldn't be difficult at all. That is to be naive. It is a great work. And it is for the glory of God. And Satan doesn't stand idly by and say, go get him, Gabe. Great job. No, he's fighting you every inch of the way. Why would we think we're going to be the exception to the rule? The more you give yourself to the Lord in humility and in sacrifice, the more the devil's going to come after you. He doesn't want you to be effective. So if you're going across the street, go across the street. Huh, but there's a car here and there's a truck over there and there's a, a pothole there. And yeah, it may be difficult to get across the street. Don't stop. Go. Number six, lesson six. Humility is the most effective learned skill. Used to hear the phrase a lot, come alongside. You hear that from missionaries who even come for our conferences. They're recruiting workers. Be they coming to the field or be they prayer warriors? Come alongside us. Help us. Stand with us. This statement not only gives the tone of humility, but also displays how missionaries are not on the mission field to swoop everyone up and try to fix everything. Humility. And the last lesson that I'll share with you tonight, lesson seven, and it's obviously not a new lesson. God is always faithful. Amen. God is always faithful. As I said, not necessarily a new lesson, but one that has been proved repeatedly. God is always faithful to provide, protect, comfort, guide, and bless. In, in my second journey into the country, still under the heel of communism, I went with this brother. I, I was... Been, I had been driven all around the countryside. His church in the evening was going to be my fifth service that day. When we went to go into the church, they would not let him on the platform. They had to sit off to the side. Large church, there were about 1,500 in the Mammoth Auditorium. Others in the other areas by closed circuit TV, watching the service at the church house. He came over to me and he said, Brother Gabriel, they're not going to let you preach tonight. I, why? I was still learning humility. And I was there to fix things. 
I had it all wrong. And he said, well, that man there and that man there, he's going to be the next pastor, and that man over there, he's with the Securitate, the secret police. So we sat down, and we waited, and they sang, and did different things in the service, and finally, he kept going back and forth, back and forth, and he came to me and said, they're not going to let you preach, they're not going to let you on the platform, but they'll let you stand and give greetings to the people. They wouldn't even let him translate. He was the second leading translator in the country at that time. I said, okay, fine. And the pastor's daughter came down and translated for me. And uh, God took over. Amen. I went to the book of the Revelation and talked to them about the candlestick and being in the center and so forth and challenged them from the word of God. About 20 minutes later when I was done, I went and sat down. God is always faithful. Amen. That man later became not only the pastor of that great church, but the mayor of that city. What an influence. When the revolution occurred, God used him. The last thing I'll say to you, and I really am done. Prayer is the true work. Prayer is the true work of the ministry. So much of missionary work, any ministry, must be bathed, drenched in prayer with a constant dependence on the Lord's help. And again, we're mindful that the disciples understood this. And having done ministry with Jesus and watching his life, they didn't ask him to teach us to preach. They asked him, teach us to pray. And in those early days on that particular field, believers would show up one hour or more before the service. And they would be women on one side, men on the other side, on their knees, weeping, wailing. Calling out to God. That was under communism. And I had the blessed privilege of seeing it continue in Baptist churches after communism. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness, for your patience, your love, and making us what you want us to be. I pray, Lord, that you'd glorify yourself in our midst. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor? Let's keep our heads bowed for just a moment. I'm so glad the Lord led me to ask Brother Gabe to fill tonight because what he has to say isn't just a historic record of his calling and his um, ministry as a missionary, but it's also... I believe, a pattern for our lives. We need to examine our hearts. Are we walking by faith? It's not easy. Are we stuck in our comfort zones? Are we 
hard-headed about getting out of that out of that comfortable nest are we relying too much on our own strengths secondly think about this and confess it if necessary are we choosing contentment it's a choice are we choosing it number three do we have deep dependence on Christ number four are we always willing to learn are we flexible or are we just uh, incapable of that. Number five, do we sacrifice? So as difficult as it is. Number six, are we allowing the Lord to work humility through us? And seven, do we really practice believing God is always faithful or do we have a spare tire backup plan instead of God's program? While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many of you tonight with, with me this preacher, how many of you would raise your hand and say, God spoke to my heart through Gabe's message? Come on, put your hands up. God spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. Now, what are we going to do about it? Let's, um, let's have an invitation here in just a moment. Of course, anybody not sure of heaven, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive him into my heart as my personal Savior. Take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer, won't you let us know? If you need to come and pray, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Let's stand right now and sing. Number 154, Jesus is Calling. Tonight, amen.